Hi, before we get to today's podcast, I have a special announcement. If you're a new project manager or you've been thinking about taking the CAPM exam, that's a a certified associate in project management, I will be presenting in two different webinars on April 23rd and April 28th of 2015, a free webinar called Preparing for the CAPM. During the free webinar, you will learn the value of obtaining the CAPM certification, the path to successfully prepare for the CAPM exam, how to overcome your fears about taking the exam, secrets to understanding the PMBOK, and hints and tips about taking PMI exams. Now, to register for this webinar, go to capm.sensiblepm.com slash webinar. Again, that's capm.sensiblepm.com slash webinar. Sign up today. You are listening to the Sensible Project Manager Podcast, Episode 23. Today's topic, Leadership Toolbox for Project Managers with Michelle Dion. Welcome to the Sensible Project Manager Podcast at SensiblePM.com, where you get an insider's edge on practical project management. Now, here is your host, Mark Phillip. Welcome to the Sensible Project Manager Podcast. My name is Mark Phillippe, and I am the Sensible Project Manager. Today, I'm going to bring to you a conversation I had with Michelle Dion, who is the author of The Leadership Toolbox for Project Managers, Achieve Better Results in Dynamic World. Now, this was a great book that uh, Michelle has recently released. And we had a great conversation on the Sensible Project Manager Hangout. This was Hangout number 41. Those of you that want to see those, you can go to the Sensible PM YouTube channel and search for uh, 41, or you can go to sensiblepm.com slash pmhangout41. If you haven't seen any of these Hangouts, it's really a great part of the Sensible Project Manager Hangout community on Google+. We get together every once in a while to have a Hangout. I, I bring on experts or thought leaders in the industry, or sometimes we just get together and have some networking hangouts. I really encourage you to come and join the community on Google+. Now, before we get started, I wanted to share with you what is coming in the upcoming episodes. I'm going to be introducing a new mentoring series. That is going to be starting in the next episode, episode 24, which could last for up to a year. Uh, now, what I'm going to do is I will be introducing you to a new friend I have that lives in Australia who is interested in getting into project management. He is going to be joining us on the podcast, and we will be following his journey throughout the next several months as he makes the transition into his, from his current employment into project management. I think it will be really interesting. I've, I have been thinking about this idea for quite a while. I really want to be able to share his experience with you about his career change as he enters into project management discipline. You will be able to enjoy and follow along with his journey and hopefully apply that to your journey in project management as well. All right, before we get to the conversation with Michelle, I do want to apologize for the poor audio on my part. I was trying something new as far as the the microphone setup that I had, and it didn't turn out so well. So I apologize for it. Michelle comes in pretty good, 
but I have cleaned up the audio as best I can, and hopefully we won't have that issue in the future. Anyway, let's get to the conversation with Michelle. And now, today's feature. Michelle, let's go to you. Welcome to the Hangout. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Nice to meet you from uh, Ottawa. Tell us a little bit about, just to get started, a little bit about you. I know I've seen you a lot on the Internet, a lot of different things that you have going, and you're very active on online activities. And so just tell us a little bit about yourself, talk about where you're at today, and, and, and then we'll get into a little bit more about the book. So I'm actually, my first profession is being a CPA. Uh, I think now it's easier because it's the same label in many uh, countries, so CPA, professional accountant. Uh, most of my projects are business-related because of that. We work a lot on a project base, and I decided in July 2012 to create, to discover how to develop a website, and I chose project management because my first interest when I was really young is music. I did a little play with music and project management. I call it project area. <laughs> and it has evolved uh, nicely since I got an idea on October 3rd to write a book. I started writing the book on October 4th and published it uh, February 13th. So it, it has been uh, an exhausting process, mostly because the first time you do something, it's a huge learning exercise. Where I am now, I'm starting to have ideas for the second book. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that is a quick write. You you put that together real quick. Yes, I, well, I was lucky because my father, as a hobby, he published nine books in his life. So he, I authorized me, him to discipline me completely uh, on how to write a book. So he was my coach and first editor, not editor in the sense of English editing, but in the sense of writing. His first comment when uh, I gave him something and he gave it back is, please don't panic with the quantity of red ink. (laughs) Uh, So in the end, when you write a book, if you don't fight the editing process, it's going to be faster than if you believe that it's going to go from blank page to final draft in one shot. Well, well, I'll remember that when I write my memoirs. <laughs> I thought you were almost done. <laughs> no, I haven't had that idea yet. So maybe when I get that idea, I, I never really had uh, a great English background my, in my, for my teachers. Uh, and that's one of the things that's amazing to me that uh, you are clearly a French is your native language, but your English is quite well. Well, I'm in Ottawa. It's very bilingual, so <laughs> I'm actually learning uh, Spanish and Swedish too. But I guess we'll leave them out for the uh, the hangout. <laughs> Good. And what is your current profession? So you told us a little bit about your internet stuff. What what are your what are you doing uh, right. in your day to day work? Well, I'm the director in charge of a group responsible for corporate planning. And we also do a few governance and oversight projects. So that's my day-to-day job. And I'm the mostly the executive in charge of a portfolio of 
50 project, small project during a year, not all at the same time, please. I provide mostly the strategic leadership decision for the project. I guess I could be called the sponsor for most of them. Very good. So the idea that your your day-to-day work is very strategic thought, I'm assuming as I, as I look through the book, I did see a lot of strategic concepts in there. And so I'm assuming that that was a big driver for, for your thought process as well. Yes, and just as much as I've, I've been discovering project management in the past years, because as I say in the book, I'm more uh, one of those accidental project managers. I've been studying, learning, enhancing, focusing on executive leadership development program. So in a way, in the book, I'm mixing the two paths, but it also results in a view of leadership that may be different from the, the classic view of leadership in project management. Well, perfect. You know, it's interesting because uh, I had a good conversation in the previous hangout with Cornelius Fickner, and we were talking about the uh, project management certification options. For those of you who didn't hear that, that was a great hangout. But in that, we were talking about um, how people get in, involved in project management, and one of the points that he made out made was that project management not only is a good stepping stone into a good career, but it's also a good stepping stone into uh, growth in a company, for instance, in, in uh, executive management and so forth. And so would you agree with that, that idea? I will agree, and I will also mention that often very important initiative in an organization well, first of all, smaller organization, you can almost projectize all their activities. Uh, everything has a start and end, a defined goal, and you can manage it under the model of a project-based organization. For a large organization, you could think, no, it's more the classic view of operations and projects, but you get more and more very strategic initiatives that are definitely managed as projects. And they are key, core, and fundamental for the C-suite of the organization. And you need both the project management skill and the ability to relate to your client and key stakeholders. It's the board and VP, the C-suite, and all of these nice, intelligent people. And if you don't, uh, think and have a dialogue at that level, there will always be a disconnect and frustration. You know, I thought, I've always thought that that was one of the most interesting parts of project management is you are communicating to multiple levels. You're communicating with your project teams and being able to talk at that level and also uh, translating that into what the C level needs to have. And so that's actually a, it's a tough skill. But it's also a very important skill to learn. And uh, actually, to me, it seems that that's one of the exciting things about project management that I like. I will even add that uh, it's almost an accident because uh, I don't think it's by design. But Pimbok, with all the different knowledge area, uh, even when we're not discussing projects per se, and other activities are in trouble or having issues, it gives you a framework to identify the point of failure. Uh, and sometimes it's easy, it's kind of 
okay, I think it's your procurement that is out of order. Mm-hmm. I think you need more communication on this, or I think it's your stakeholder engagement that is creating problems for even just regular operation. It gives you a nice framework to that is holistic and that you analyze activities. Agreed. All right, so bef- I do want to dig into a little bit more specifically on the leadership and in, in, in your book. Before we get there, though, I am always very interested to find out, uh, and you talked a little bit about that in, the, in your book, to find out how people get into project management. So we all have different paths, but many of us have similar paths. So give us an idea of what how you got into project, project management uh, and, and maybe even your first project you had. So that one is interesting because uh, long ago at the university, uh, I had a, a friend in one of our my course that was a former policeman, and he he was doing a master pro, uh, program in uh, in project management. And in my mind, that was kind of a nonsense. That like, what's that? Like, why would you do this? Like, this is not a topic to study. And then uh, I worked in the 90s in the banking sector and before becoming getting my CPA and moving to the accounting side. And then you're paid to be an expert in my, uh, for me it was be to be an accountant and business expert, uh, business consulting. I just did my project. That means I improvised the project management side of it. Got some kids and then improvising start to be a problem because maybe it's not a good idea to always go to bed at 2 a.m. when the kids will wake up at 3 a.m. So at some point there must be a better way than this improv, uh, this improvisation, the madness of I can just do it. So I started to learn and apply project management and I'm, I'm, I must say that I also did quite a few special initiatives that are more like SWAT team pro- project that nobody wants to do. And I often hear that I don't have the time to implement a, a good methodology. And when you're pushed in extreme scenario, it's actually the opposite. It, the only way you can survive is by being extremely quick at implementing the right methodology, like and being very efficient at scaling the methodology at the right level for your project. So that's how I ended up uh, actually very late doing my PMP, more like 14 years after being in the world of projects. I got my PMP uh, in February 2014. Um, um, that's why I say I'm a, one of those accidental project manager. How about you? Are you wiser than me? You got your PMP first and then experience? Well, I, I did have a few years experience as a project manager. Of course, you have to have at least three years to be able to, to get your PMP. I got it fairly early, but I was pushed by my employer to get the PMP because uh, they were able to build me out more expensively at if I was a PMP to their client. And of course that helped me get a raise as well. But 
uh, yeah, they pushed me early. I got my PMP back in 2001, so it was quite a while ago. I'm actually trying to push my wife to do it. Oh, there you go. She's an economist, and uh, see, that's what is nice about project management. It, it can be applied to so many different kind of uh, projects or job, and even if per se her job is not project-based, if you really look at it, she can projectize her activity. Yeah, most most things in the corporate world, or even in our daily life, can be applied via the project management methodologies. So let's um, let's let's turn to uh, the con some of the concepts in your book. First of all, I uh, I told you I've read a chunk of it, but not all of it. So. There were some several things that were very interesting to me in some very interesting concepts. I I love how you write. It's a very straightforward approach. And you know, sometimes I think myself it's fairly bright, but I sometimes also have a very simple mind. So I like a very sensible approach, thus sensible PM. And your your book really does that. It does a good job of taking a very sensible approach. Let's one of, a couple of the concepts were very interesting to me. One of them is, uh, and I actually have been thinking about this a lot in the last few months and year or so, and, and that is I'm, I'm very interested in helping new project managers uh, make that step into project management. I remember myself as a young project manager just feeling overwhelmed with all of this new activity, new concepts, new terminology. I was a, an engineer, and yeah. I'm much like what you, you you went through the CPA path, but I was an engineer that I turned into be a project manager just because I got more responsibility. And so you talked about the burden of a new role and taking on that burden of a new role, meaning, well, maybe if you can just expound on that. What, what do you mean by taking on the burden of the new role when I wrote this, uh, as you said, it applies to many people getting promotions and bigger responsibility. Uh, I was thinking of uh, a few special assignment projects or initiatives that I managed that um, I think I say that in the book, because, but I say this often. Um, I'm so curious that I tend to say yes and then ask questions later. <laughs> Uh, so I end up with some kind of projects that is like, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, you, you get a promotion. The first thing you do is you celebrate. The second thing you do is you try your best. And then after, after a few months, ideally, not just a few weeks or even a few days, you realize that the, the increase in pay also come with you're on your own more often. Uh, you're less supervised. You're paid to come with the solution to make decision. Just as much as we all think we're smart, at some point a little help or a framework will will be welcome. And this is how I position the idea of getting your PMP, because you, as an engineer, me as an accountant, and many others, we come to project management second. It's a bit sad that in the PIM book and the methodology, we hide it under a heavy language. 
but it's actually something very practical down to earth that can help you achieve much better result with reduce stress level and achieve success well let's talk about uh, one of the things that you mentioned was you have to think differently that one hit home with me because I know that as I as I went from the fact that as an engineer I had I was solving a very specific in the box problem and if I came across something that I had a trouble with, I could bring it to my manager and have them help me solve the problem. A project manager, as you mentioned, you have to change your thought process. You're the you're to help facilitate the problem solving, and mm -hmm. so that thought process is different. What do you have any suggestions on how you approach that? Well, I like what you said because you're facilitating uh, solving the problem. Sometimes you will have the answer. Uh, sometimes you'll have the authority to make the decision. Sometimes you may not, but in the end, you're always facilitating the discussion. If it means you have to book a meeting with Joe or Jane or Lucy to to have the proper discussion, you're still making this key decision that this must happen now, this dialogue must happen, and we must solve this. And without that decision, the project will likely be in trouble. So you must be very quick at, at identifying issues and bringing the right players around the table. I, I used to work with a, uh, a project manager that he had kind of a, a crass way of saying it, but when when there were, were issues that we needed to resolve, he said that you just get all the wires in the same room. So you get everybody <laughs> together. And you have that, those conversations. So that's all it is. You're getting the right people together, and you're facilitating that work, that that decision making together. And I, I actually like. I think there's a lot of power in getting the right people together, and together you are going to come up with the right possibilities for the solutions, and probably even the the best solution. You as the project manager might end up making the final decision or you taking it to the sponsor uh, for a decision, but you're really facilitating that. And I think that that's a very important mindset change that you have to take on as a project manager. It is true, but maybe then it's my executive hat. It's It still remains that sometimes you'll have to make the decision. So... And that frustrates a few people that come from mathematical background where there's only one answer. And, uh, because in leadership, you're more in the world that you'll never know what's the perfect answer, but you still have to decide. <laughs> uh, sorry for the analogy, but if you wait for the confirmation that your marriage is going to be the right decision to be married, you're going to wait all your life. So leadership is a bit like that. You're dealing with unknowns, complex issue. You need there's no perfect model. I don't even think there's a model, but you must develop a comfort level in the unknown and the ability to say, Yeah, on this issue I decide. On this one we consult three person. On this one we go to this the sponsor. On that one it has to go to the governance body or uh, but never exclude the idea that you have power as a project manager. You're not only a task supervisor, 
I coined the word uh, taskmaster in the book because um, I guess when I hire somebody as a project manager, if the person is only supervising the task, I feel I'm not getting uh, value for the money. Agreed, yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I was younger, very young, I had somebody tell me, gave me some really good, wise advice. He he saw that I was having a tough time making a decision, and in the role of a project manager or a leader, you have to be able to make decisions, be willing to step out, maybe, I think you and I talked last night, and you have to be courageous, right, in your decisions. And uh, the way he said it to me was, Mark, you, you do a good job, but you can't be a mugwop. And I said, well, what's a mugwop? He says, well, if if you're sitting on a fence with your mug on one side and your womp on the other side, then you're not going to be able to make decisions, and you're going to be you're you're not going to make any progress. You got to get off the fence, and you got to make decisions. And um, yeah, so don't be afraid of that. So let's talk about the the that quality of being courageous in your decisions. And I think it's one of the most important quality of leadership, and the one that is almost impossible to teach in a seminar, classroom, training program. Because uh, let's just take ethical discussion or decision. It's very easy to answer ethical question in an exam or in a classroom. When you're faced one and you have to stand up, it's not the intellectual part of you that will resist. It will be, do you have enough courage to say, well, people, I think we have to pause. There's a problem. Yeah, you're right. And, and what are the, I mean, with that courage though, what are the pressures that you have in making those, those kind of decisions? But what's, what's, what's pushing us at us to, to not be courageous, I guess? I think it's the lack of certainty most yeah. of the time. Like, even in the ethical decision, if you are 100% sure that everybody around the table think like you, You'll say it. There's no problem. The resistance will be if you know you'll be alone. You're right. You're right. So stepping out and saying, hey, I'm going to take a stand on this, it's it's a lot easier if everybody else agrees with you, but if you're taking a stand on it for for the reasons in which are innate to you, you got to be able to be ready to back that up. Um, but you're right. That's where the, the courageous portion of, of being a leader is there. Just like, you know, we say in project management that often the, ro- the, the role of the project manager is to communicate a lot, often. But how often have you seen problem with easy communication? Well, for instance, here, I mean, even, even though you and I are both speaking English and we're, for the most part, face-to-face, we can pretty much pick up on our body language, the communication... I think is going pretty well, but it's very possible that I might say something that you don't quite understand. Even the words, even though we're both hearing and, and are saying the same words, we might have different perspectives based on our background or our understanding of a specific situation, our position. And so we are, you're right. Communication is a very difficult thing, and it's such a big thing for project managers. 
And then you, everything you said, I agree. But then add to that, if you have a conversation you need to have with one stakeholder, and you know from the start it's not going to go well. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there before. So, strangely, many times when I had to intervene and rescue project, the first thing I notice is delayed communication. It's not a lack of communication. It's because they know it's not going to go well. So instead of booking a meeting, like we're on Friday, instead of Monday, I need to talk to Jane. It's more like maybe May 2nd, we'll book a meeting and we'll talk. And then oh. suddenly the project timeline is killed. The project budget is killed. And, well, quality is a different... But do you see what I mean? Sure. But here, here's, here's the situation, though. Where's that line between, all right, I know that I have an issue that is on the project. Where's that line of where, as the project manager, my responsibility is to make sure that I'm directing the, the project, I'm working through and resolving problems. Sometimes some problems might take a little bit of time to work through. Where's the line of communicating and sometimes as a project manager feeling like I'm burdening pro management with something that I'm resolving? I'm not asking for any help. And where's, where's that line between that and communicating to provide information so that management's not um, blindsided and they know what's happening and that there is a potential with a risk coming down the line that there's, that could cause a problem with the schedule. Where's that line? How do you make those decisions? Because I find myself in those in those challenging times in myself as well. Uh, well, I would say that two things. First, you're paid to manage, so please manage. So don't hesitate, manage. The second one, well, as we said, sometimes you have no choice. The issue is real. You have to talk, and that requires courage. In the middle, instead of thinking about status report, formal report, templates, and all of this, I suggest you focus on building relationship. And building relationship can be just, you see the person at the cafeteria, the, just say hi, talk for five minutes over coffee, build a relationship so that when there's a real issue, you're not... Uh, a consultant, uh, just the project manager, somebody suddenly appearing with a problem. There's a trust between you and the person. Agreed. I, I think you're right. If you have that relationship, you know how each other's point of view. You'll you'll begin. The more you understand that person, the more you know how much you can share and how much they want to know to be able to communicate any issues that are along the way. You see, and in PIMBOK, we go from stakeholder management to communication management. But there's the informal path of relationship management. Just like uh, people at the C-suite level, of course, there's the board meeting and all these formal communication call letter between the CFO and the colleagues and everything. But successful CFO will have all these informal communication and relationship with their peers. 
so that it's not just pure business. They know who you are, Mark. Do do I know who I am? I mean, when when the CFO then asks to talk about something, oh. yeah, the other VP will know. Okay, I know Mark. He's I talk to him often. He's reasonable. Like uh, he makes sense. If if he's sending me a problem, it's because it's a problem. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you. I I like how you you um, point out the difference the the point between stakeholder management communication management. Uh, it would be great to have a relationship management because that really that relationship that you build. Those, those relationships that you build within the, both the teams, uh, your peers, as well as uh, management is really important. Yeah. I, I, so I think I'm, that that probably makes a difference between uh, a, a real leader, somebody that can really build those relationships. Yes, he will gather people. In the end, people will follow a leader that they trust. I have this old image of the the captain of a ship. Uh, if people don't trust the judgment of the captain during a, a, a storm, they will not obey the order. You're right, right. They have to trust that the that the, uh, that the captain understands and knows the ship and, and the crew the best. Uh, so yes, trust can be built on knowledge, but trust is mostly uh, built on human relationship. So to tying to the trust, uh, one of the things that, if you think about the relationship between a the C-level manager and the project manager, each has to trust each other that as a project manager that the management knows and understands things that they might, that the project manager doesn't understand. And so holding information back from them will potentially reduce the ability to solve problems. And then on the same side, uh, you hope that C-level management would be able to trust the project managers to allow them to manage the projects. So that, that trust between the, each other really will help smooth project uh, and business throughout the, the organization. Yeah, well, you know, we hear a lot of people having problem with sponsor and saying that the executive is not involved enough in the project. I guess I'm biased because I'm on the executive side, but when I read those often, I'm like, okay, you don't understand the busy day of an executive. If you do stat status report to an executive with uh, excessive details, you're losing the person. Just because he doesn't have the time to read a 50-page report full of data, and he has to trust you. The only way he can trust you is if if there's an issue, will you say it? Or will you massage the report to look good? So honesty is the biggest thing to build trust between you and the executive. The second thing, uh, the second error I've seen many people do is it's just not clear what they want. They come to a board meeting and they do the PowerPoint presentation, talk and talk and present the status of task A, B, C and task 700, 204, or 724 is late. 
in the end, we don't know what the, what's the problem. What do you want? What's the purpose of the presentation? Have you seen those? Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it, uh, I've always believed it's really important to understand when you're doing presentations what your audience, who your audience is, and you have to be very clear. Clear on what they want to see, communicate at the level in which they need to have the information. So like, as you said, uh, you're not snowing them with a whole bunch of junk that they don't need to know and care about. So bring it to the level that that individual needs to have and, and, and be concise and provide the right information to them. That's really important. I completely agree. And I've seen, I've seen many times when and I probably have been there myself when the wrong approach to and wrong information is provided and you get through part through the meeting and everybody says that was a waste. Yeah. What, what, what did we just learn or nothing could have done get back that hour that we just spent. I, I remember a project that I got that the budget was a hundred thousand and after looking at the scope of the project it was obvious that it would cost about two million. So just a little gap. And everybody was saying kind of, how are we going to do this? Can we absorb this in some way? And it's like, first question I ask is, did you ask the money? And the courage question, the answer was no. So first thing I did, I built a clear presentation, I went, I, I presented the status of the scope, what it really cost to do it. I asked two million. I got it. Because the value was there, right? One, the value was there, but second, nobody asked before. Everybody was speculating, they will say no. Right. Uh, that's speculation. Ask. And yes, of course, there must be value and and all of that, you must be, like, have your business case, your proper project plan and everything. But even if you have all of that, if you don't ask. Exactly. But let's, um, let's turn the conversation a little bit to leadership and project management. You have a section, um, I don't know, chapter two or three in there about leadership and, and project management. And one of the things you said that was really interesting to me you talked a little bit about being able to make the difference, understand the difference between a manager and leader. And I've, mm -hmm. I've heard those discussions a lot. But what, what is it that, that makes a, a good project manager a leader as opposed to just somebody that is, how did you call it? You, you call it a, a taskmaster? Yeah. Well, first of all, I had to work hard in that section for on that section of the book because I wanted to avoid the trap of either or. So I try to position the book as first you need to work on project that you have some kind of expertise so you add value. Like I'm not going to take a project to build a bridge. Because you've not, never been able to be in the construction industry, right? No, so that I will not add value. Maybe I'm going to learn something, but then why would they pay for my learning? Sure. You need to be a good manager. There, There's no question of leadership versus management. Uh, I've, I've never 
seen a good leader that is a bad manager. We, usually that's just equally bad as a good manager that is not a good leader. As an example, somebody that is a good leader will likely have a vision, be able to rally people, motivate the team, make decisions, but he'll not be able to manage his budget. So, so I'm not sure it will be that good. Short term, maybe that's it. Well, so, no, so I just wanted to to make sure we understand that it's leadership and management skill that you need to have. I noticed that you one of the things you did point out is that it, it's not just uh, managing a team, or it's, or it's not just that relation or that. Uh, that teamwork or motivating the team that makes a good leader. But there's other aspects of being a good leader. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I think, first of all, leadership is a matter of being able to have the vision and strategic thinking and making decisions. If you don't have those and you're just motivating a team, it's probably good but it's a weaker version of leadership. And if imagine my captain on the boat, there's a storm and all he can do is say, okay, guys, you're good, keep going, keep going, but nobody trusts that this person has the right strategy to go through the storm. Mm -hmm. Nobody trusts that that person can make the right decision. Um, nobody trusts that that person has a vision where we should be going. In reality, he won't be the leader. Right. So this this has always been interesting to me because I think that there's a natural progression. As going back to our earlier discussion about stepping into project management is you're learning the skills of moving from whether you're an engineer or whatever you were doing prior to stepping into a leadership uh, management role, I guess. And so you're, you're having to learn new things like how to handle a budget, how to, to put together a plan to, to be able to motivate the team. Mm-hmm. And delegate. I, pardon? The, cla- the classic delegate. Yep. De- learning how to delegate and cause of, you know, given up. I, I am no longer going to be doing all of the work. And I think that as a project manager grows and as a into leadership, mm-hmm. and going back to what I told you that uh, Cornelius Fickner mentioned, that project management is a great stepping stone into management and, mm-hmm. and whatever the, those expectations are. It's because project management can help you learn to become a leader. Absolutely. So that you're not just um, a, a taskmaster, as you mentioned, and you're actually learning those skills. So I think it's really important for project managers to to learn those skills of leadership. Yeah, and if you think about it, if you work as an employee in a large organization, usually as you get more and more promotion, one thing you have to learn is to think horizontally and to think of outside your unit because before all that matters is the little work of your unit. 
And a, a project manager is exp or somebody working in projects and then a project manager is exposed to that from the very beginning of his career. You always have to deal with people in other units, in IT, external of the organization. And that is something that is very important to learn in your career as you become a leader to handle horizontal relationship and the larger perspective? You become more strategic in your thought process? Yeah, because you see the point of view of others, not just your dimension of the project. It's possible, as an example, that you'd like the sponsor to give you one more resource to complete your project, and it maybe says no, not because he doesn't understand the project, but maybe if you raise yourself at the portfolio level, there's something else important happening, and he needs both your project and the other project to succeed. So if you understand that, then the solution you're going to propose to the sponsor will make sure that both your project and the project of Joe will succeed. Oh. And then it'll say, good idea. Because the organization needs both. Yeah. Cool. Okay. The, uh, what in your talk in your book you talked a lot about we're kind of in a dynamic world. What do you mean by that? And yeah. how does that how does that impact project management? I think it impacts the workplace in the sense that more and more activities can be projectized. That everything has a start and an end. Uh, I use often this uh, example that y you can take the this an iPad. <laughs> um, yes, right now it's in production, so in a sense, some would say it's no longer a project, or is it? Because they know probably in Apple exactly when they're going to kill that model. It has a start and an end, and everything. They they are already managing the life cycle of the project, just like a project. We're long gone the time that you could think for three years about something, make a plan for four years, and then implement, and it's going to be good for forty years. Probably by the time you're done thinking for three years, the competition has won. Yes. <laughs> Then the other thing is even if the competition doesn't beat you, beat you, maybe by the time you successfully implement the exact project scope on time, budget, and quality, your product is now obsolete because the external environment has changed. So even though you met to the scope, you did it on time, and you did it within um, the resources that you had, yep. and the quality was good, yep. it, the project might be worthless yeah. because it's been too long. And if you we go not too far ago, you could study something, get out of college, university, uh, uh, with a set of knowledge, and it would be valid for a good career. 35 years later, you retire and all is good. Today, the pace of new knowledge, innovation, not just change of technology, but also new knowledge in science and the pace of change in the social environment and the business environment. 
economy is so fast that we all have to always learn and adapt. We need personal agility. And if we don't have this mindset, we will likely be disconnected from reality. So project management is a nice tool that let us manage this dynamic world because we're used to come in with a requirement, find a solution, define a plan, implement it, and deliver a result. And then you move to the next project. You have a new set of requirements. You're always in creative mode, a bit more than the classic 20th century operation that the shop is designed, the business process is established, and it is what it is. Okay, so if what you're talking about is the fact that with this dynamic world that we're in, it, things are moving so quickly, by default, does that make everything all the types of projects we do require agile project management, like Scrum or you know whatever that methodology is. Is I, that what you're saying? Is that everything should be in agile methodology? I guess I didn't say it explicitly, but I think there's a reason why these methodologies are popping up and evolving and becoming more and more important. So I would say, I would tend to say yes, but I keep it open in the sense that it's possible that tomorrow Mark Philippi will invent a new methodology that will be even better than Agile to adapt to, to handle this ever-changing world. Well, I, I also am a believer that I, I, for the last year and a half or so, I've been working in a very strictly uh, an Agile environment. The team that I've been working on has been strictly agile. But I believe the reality of corporate world today is even for those companies that are implementing agile, we have a mix. And so yeah. agile is mixed in with a waterfall or traditional project management. And where those things that, I don't, I don't know if we're just in a transition mode uh, as we all turn everything towards agile, or if it just tends to mix depending on the types of projects. Uh, we, I, a couple of hangouts ago, I had Joseph Leahy on the show where we talked a little bit about his book that he wrote, uh, Being Agile in a Waterfall World. And yeah. I thought that was a very interesting concept as well. The fact that in reality today, this dynamic world you're talking about, is forcing us into a mixed environment. Yeah. And so I think I think we see that. And I personally think that even if you are in a strictly traditional waterfall, as you said, 20th century type of project management, um, I still think that there are a lot of things that we can do in that environment to be more agile. Yeah. Uh, would you agree? Yeah. And... Um Keep in mind that often our sponsor clients, uh, I guess some people will be disappointed by that, but they actually don't care about our methodology. They want a result. And I would compare this to you have to go to see a doctor. You don't really want a lecture on methodology he's going to use. You trust he's professional enough to choose the right methodology for your case. 
uh, and hopefully you're gonna choose choose a doctor that you trust and see it's back to that it's building the relationship that you have this trust uh, so often I think we focus too much on the methodology and not on using the right methodology to enable the right result if you're in a large organization very structured with a quarterly board meeting and Something happened, you know you need a decision in the next two weeks, but the next board meeting is June 2nd. The real question is, why don't you book a special meeting? Well, it, isn't, it, isn't it what we're really talking about? Is, isn't it just that we need to change our mindset to not, you know, in the past we had to keep ourselves, we built a plan, we're going to execute that plan regardless, uh, if, even if we have change management in place. You know, I want to deliver it that way. But I think we have to change our mindset to be more thoughtful as to how can we be agile in, in our delivery. And we can still deliver our scope. Yeah. But be just agile in uh, the approach that we take, whether we're, whether we're using an agile methodology or not. It's a mindset change. Yeah. Uh, and you have to adapt the methodology to the problem. See, if there's a, a, a big uh, fire uh, in a neighborhood uh, close to your house, there's no time to, well, let's design the perfect plan over the next month and then we're going to intervene and deal with the fire. So we know that sometimes you have to move quick. Sometimes you don't have time to document. On the other hand, if you're going to build a new bridge somewhere, it's probably good to make sure that everything is scientifically correct in the plan. And I think it's a question you try to avoid sometimes. We think there's the perfect methodology instead of talking about what's the context of your project. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we, um, Michelle, this has been very interesting. Thank you for the conversation. Uh, we're at the, getting close to the top of the hour. I wanted to give you a few minutes to, how do people get a hold of you? Can, how do they get your book? So at this moment, my book is only published on Kindle on Amazon. Uh, you don't necessarily need a Kindle device. They provide a software for Windows desktop or Mac OS desktop. Uh, iOS, the iPad. There's even a Kindle Cloud Reader. Uh, you can also visit my website that is uh, project-area.ca and uh, you can contact me from my website. There's also, I'm, I participate in quite a few communities here and there, including yours. I like to discuss, so let's connect, let's talk. Well, great. So I will go ahead and in the show notes, I will leave, I will put the, the links in there to both, uh, your website as well as to how they can get that. Uh, I'm assuming the best place to get it is at Amazon. Yeah. Uh, any last parting thoughts about, uh, before we, we hang up? Well, it was a pleasure to participate. I thank you a lot for the invitation. And if you, I'd like to come back, uh, in a future episode, if you have space. Absolutely, and uh, I'm waiting for that second book. 
Uh, yes. I'm actually thinking the topic may be slightly out of project management, but yeah, it will probably make you smile. Personal agility. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope that the, those of you that are listening and watching uh, have gotten something from that. If you would, wouldn't mind spending some time to go to the show notes, I'll have them. I'll post them a little bit later. But give your thoughts as to um, what we've been talking about leadership and how, how leadership is so important in your life as a project manager. And if you want to find out a little bit more, I really recommend that you do read Michelle's book. It is a great book. It's called Leadership, uh, Leadership Toolbox for Project Managers. All right, Michelle, thank you very much. Wave, and we'll, we'll sign off. Thank you, Mark. Have a good day. Well, thank you, Michelle. That was a great conversation. I loved your thoughts on leadership, and I've really enjoyed reading your book. Now, I encourage each one of you, to go check out the book. He's got a great perspective on leadership and how to apply that, how, how to become a better leader yourself. I will include the link to his book in the show notes so that you can, you can access that. Once again, I want to remind you about the upcoming mentoring series that will start with the next episode, and I really look forward to bringing that to you. Until next week, remember, a sensible project manager always looks for a practical way to lead a project to success. You've been listening to the Sensible Project Manager, Mark Philippi, on the Sensible Project Manager podcast. To learn more about practical project management, visit us at sensiblepm.com.